October 31st, 2021. We're continuing in Nefesh HaHayim and Sha'ar Dalid in Perek Yod Bet. But let's begin from the beginning of it, because all we read was about a line or two initially. It says Nefesh HaHayim Kol Sheken, and all the more so, he's picking up on what he had begun to develop in Perek Yod Aleph. It's on page 685 in the Nefesh HaSimsum. Uh, blue books. Close again, he's picking up on what he had begun to develop in Perik Yod Aleph, and that was that creation continues to develop itself um, to become more refined as we study Torah. Now, that was a description in Perik Yod Aleph just in terms of the study of Torah. The world is upheld through the study of Torah, not only, as he had said initially, through the existence of Torah, but through the study of Torah. Perik Yod Bet, as we discussed, as we began last time, he says it's not only in the study of Torah, it's Kol Sheken, all the more so in the novelties, in the Hidushet Torah, the greater understanding, the more that's revealed about God's essence in the world through the Torah, the more the world progresses itself and comes closer to its actualization. Kol Sheken, he says, all the more so Hidushin Amitim, Adam. He says, all the more so, true Hidushet Torah, novelties of Torah, as we discussed last time. Nefesh Hayim himself, as reported by his students, believed that Hidushim need not mean something that's a novelty out of thin air. But rather, in the most basic and simple sense, it's a knowledge that I didn't have beforehand. It's an understanding that I didn't have beforehand. That in and of itself is considered a hidush. This is not necessarily directly inspired from above. Of course, all chokmah is tapping into realms above, but it's al adam. This is not a godly creation, so to speak, it's a human novelty. It's hard to, to measure and to define how significant Hidushet Torah, as we discussed, we quoted from Ruach Hayim, quoted from Yeshahalacha. It's the ability for human beings to have novelties, just as human beings are able to progress in contrast to angels. So, too, in the context of Torah, Torah, world existence, the development would become static. If we didn't have human beings uncovering and revealing the ways of God and understandings of God through Torah and through life. <laughs> Every individual word which is brought forth and the novelties exposed by human beings. HaKadosh Baruch Hu kisses each one of those words. We discussed that as the Ra'ayati, the uh, close relationship, the um, the ability to understand ourselves as partners in creation with God. We focused on those words as well. The Iture Otiyot, the Ketarim, the Tagim to the Otiyot, is Torah is the ability for human beings to expose within the text and tap back into the latent potential. Continues. Very Kabbalistic in his wording, but the concept I think we can at the very least touch on, and that is that there's entire worlds, now he doesn't mean physical worlds, he means uh, metaphysical worlds, which are created through the existence and through bringing forth each new word of Torah. And he says that's what the Pasuk in Sefer Yeshaya is referring to, Hashamayim ha-hadashim ha-hadasha. 
there are new heavens and there's a new world. What does it mean to be a new heavens and a new world? Is God destroying the world and bringing forth new ones? Alternatively, as he's going to quote from Zohar in just a moment, the understanding is that through our study of Torah, we bring forth new worlds and, uh, excuse me, new earths and new ground and new heavens. She'amar ha-katuv. Kemoshe katuv ba-haktamat ha-zohar, davdale damudbet. It says, as it says in haktamat ha-zohar, Rabbi Shimon Patah, we're on page 685, oh, I don't know, Sha'ar dalit Rabbi Shimon Patah, va'asim devaray beficha, the pasuk in Yeshayah, that's the perik that he's referring to. It's near the perik, so a few perakim off. But it's the description of, I'll put my words in your mouth. You should understand, it's almost a rhetorical question, how much human beings should be involved, should be endeavoring in Torah both day and night. At the time that HaKadosh Baruch Hu listens to their voices, di'nun of them, in other words, Yisrael, who are studying, involved in Torah, toiling in Torah, not just the words, not just the utterances, but the hidushim, the greater understandings, the intellectual depths, based on the endeavors of the person who's studying Torah, avid, by so doing, human beings, together with God, they make a singular or a an additional rakia. Rakia, of course, is the description in Bereshit, in the second day of creation. That's the heavens. That's what he was referring to just a moment ago. The Shamaim Hadashim. He continues, or the Zohar continues. Tenan, it was taught by Ausha Ata de Mila de Oraita it Hadesh Mipume. De Barnash, Barnash again is a human being. At the time that a milah de oraita, word of Torah, is it hadesh, becomes new, becomes understood better by a human being. Hahimila, that word, salekavitadat, kameh de kuchabrihu, that word, salaka, salik in Aramaic, means to go up. It or it is means to be situated. Kivyachol, the word is then situated in front of God. takes that word. Nashikla, oh, those are the words of Nefesh Ha'im. he kisses it and he gives it crowns. How many crowns? Shiv'in Aterin, seventy of course. Seventy keneged. Well, there's many. The number seven, generally speaking, is a complete number. It's a creation <coughs> number. But more specifically, in our context text, we have Shiv'im Panim La Torah for, for good reason. Shiv'im Panim La Torah is the ability to delve into and see almost the full spectrum of understanding of Torah. Gelifin um hakekan, those words are, those words are, are, are marked and they are, and they are uh, uh, chiseled inward. In other words, they're significant words with these crowns. Zohar continues in a different direction, similar but different direction, going in the depth of Hidushe of, Torah. Tasamit Taman, it goes on to Skivyachol. Uh, the, the head of above, Tasami Taman Veshata'at Beshivain Elif Almin, Uslikat Legabe Atik Yomin, and it goes and transcends and, and has the ability to float and hover through 70,000 Almin. There's the number 70 again. It goes up and it's by Atik Yomin. Atik Yomin, in specific and important circumstances, is Zohar and the Kabbalist description of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Uh, we're making our way to a point here. Vehahimilla Setima de Hokmetadit Hadesha Hacha. 
Torah. Now he talks about milah sitima, something that's satum, almost like sod ha-Torah. Katsaleka, you should know, when it goes upward, when it kivyachol has this way of ascending and transcending, it haberat bi'inun, it haberat bi'inun, I'm going the wrong way, milin de'atik yomin kivyachol, it connects with the words of God. Which words of God? And it goes up and it rests together with the words of God. And as a result, it makes its way through these 18 worlds of that HaKadosh Baruch Hu only has access to. So again, what has he been describing? Again, there's these new heavens and new earths which are brought forth through the study of Torah. What does it mean in the vivid imagery of Zohar? It means these words are situated up above. There's a description of them coming together with God, coming together with the words of God. There's these number 70, which is a significant number throughout. Nafkin mitaman sha'atan v'atyan milianu shliman v'it'atadu kame'at smells the words at that point important imagery and we'll pause even for, for, for a few moments over there it's that word which constructs which is situated up above and in turn has the ability to become a riki'ahada. Now this description of Zohar is a significant one for many reasons, but none the least of, uh, if anyone has ever opened the book Tanya, you know, quoted in the name of the Baal Shem Tov at the very beginning, Jack might remember this, is that the Pasuk says, the Pasuk describes how creation is upheld by the words of God. Devarecha Adonai nisav b'shamayim hakadosh baruch hu. Your words are situated up above. It's quoted in the name of Baal Shem Tov. In fact, it preceded him by several hundred, if not a thousand years, in Midrash Tehillim, in source number one. Now listen to the words and then reflect back on what we just mentioned from Zohar and notice the irony. Mahu says Midrash Tehillim devarecha nisav b'shamayim. What does it mean that your words are situated in the heavens? Is it davar hanisav b'shamayim? What does it mean for a word to be situated in the heavens? Ela, Amar Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Rather, the imagery of the midrash is Hakadosh Baruch Hu kivyachol said, Al mahashamayim amdim. What is it that sustains the heavens? Aloto davar sheamarti. It's the words that I said initially. Yehi rakia rakia betochamayim. It's my initial words during creation of. Heavens, Yehirakia, that's what continues and sustains the heavens until now. Uchtiv, Kiyu Amar Vayehi. Pasuk says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, I mean, this we have, Baruch Shemar Olam, right? There's the ability to look into the words and to say, it's his speech which brought forth, that which he said he did, and that word with which, so to speak, he created, it's with that word or those words which their continued existence is, is dependent upon. It's that which it means. God, for, eternal, for, for eternity, your words are situated in the heavens. 
So without a full understanding of this, let's just take a step back and understand what this Midrash said to us. This Midrash described the sustaining utterance of God in creation. What did Zohar, in in an ironic spin, do to us, and Nefesh HaHayim by extension? They said it's our words which create, which craft these new heavens. That's the reference in Zohar, I'm certain, as well, that our words link up with his words up above. It's his words up above, kivyachol, that are sustaining. It's the Baruch She'amar Olam, which is His words which are existent up above, but are only, in an ironic and difficult to state way, sustained and continued through our own mention. That's Hidush Torah. That's the ability to understand Hidush Torah. Those are the Kitarim to the Otiyot we discussed in last class in source number 11. Source number 11, the Gemara Masyech Menachot has the Kitarim to the Otiyot, has those Tagim, has those crowns to the letters of Rabbi Akiva, of Torah Shabbalpeh, of our own exposing of Torah. But again, as Ralph pointed out, once all is said and done, and Moshe observes the class of Rabbi Akiva and understands it's Rabbi Akiva who's bringing forth the understandings to those crowns. As Jared pointed out, the crowns are only after the fact. The Torah, Kivyachol, in and of itself is without crowns. HaKadosh Baruch Hu adds the crowns to the letters. It's an addition for human beings then to endeavor within and bring it back to an understanding of Halakha Moshe Misinai. Which means to say, in other words, again, it's our ability to further expose and understand, which ultimately speaking, ironically, brings us back to a source of truth. It's words of God which have begun existence, which continue existence, but ironically, the partnership with human beings is the only way it'll continue. The only way it'll be fully revealed and further revealed is through our own understanding. You can begin something. You can build something very sustainable. You can begin a business. You can have a kernel of idea in constructing a building. But the only way that building and that business will continue is if the, t- the players, the team, will continue the vision further. You implanted it with the energy from the onset. It's your energy which is running through it, whether you're there or not. And I don't mean electrically. I, I mean your energy in terms of your vision of what's going to take place in this building, in this business. But if you don't have the players later on and you build it in such a fashion, we're finite, we're human beings, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu built existence in such a fashion that the streaming energy of humanity of Am Yisrael through their own words of Torah is the only way to continue his utterance, to continue the words that sustain existence. It's our words, that's what Zohar is stating. So the irony of the Rakia, I mean the imagery is so perfect, it's a description of that's the pasuk, and I'm certain that's what underlies the words of Zohar over here. It's the words of God which are sustained in the heavens, which are only continued through our own words, just to, to deepen it a bit. Nefesh HaChaim in the last chapter, in Perik Yod Aleph, he cited in the context of the words of Torah continuing existence, and without the words of Torah turning it back to Tohu Vavo, or at the very least, as we explained it, losing the, uh, the, the progress of existence, the ability to continue understanding and revealing the ways of God. Over there, he quoted from one of the Birkota Torah, we say when we get our Aliyah, and the Pasuk is, the Barakha is, the words, the eternal words, the eternal words, and the Lashon Neti'ah is something which is planted. 
And that's what he described, he said over there. Something that's planted has the ability to then sprout forth. As a result, as a result, Nefesh Hayim said, words of Torah continue uh, almost watering and sustaining existence. If you pay attention to those words for a moment and think about what those words are referring to, I'll bring you to the words of Tur of Shohan Aruch, but you can already figure this out on your own. The words of Torah which are described over there are nata' betochenu, they're implanted within us. We have the ability to sprout forth the understanding of them. Shohan Aruch, in fact, here in source number three, in Siman Kufla Metet, Sa'if Yod, writes that the Beracha, after the Aliyah to the Torah, Ashena we say Torato, Torat Emet. What's that a reference to? Torat Emet. What's the truth of Torah, so to speak? Zot Torah The continued words, Ironically and almost counterintuitively, the ability to understand the continued existence and sustenance of the world is not just by studying his words and understanding them in a static fashion of Emet but rather our continued exposition and, 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 and interpretation of them. The truth is, in terms of understanding the pasuk in such a fashion, Shohan Aruch and Tur don't really reveal to us how they know that. Maybe it's also a reference to Torah Shebaal So already, again, the description of the Nitiav, something that's growing, kind of puts it in our court. Betochenu is important as well. Yes, Rabbi? It seems like there's levels, the kiss, and the crown and the rakia, yes. that in terms of... A depth of understanding. So the further the depth, the ultimate is the rakia that you're creating, continuing the world? Yes. As a matter of fact, in the continued words of Zohar, there's a distinction. I didn't I didn't get to it fully. There's a distinction between the aretz ha-hadash and the rakia ha-hadash. And so the description is the new lands is kind of a lower level of perception of depth and, and understanding of Torah, of godliness, of divinity. The shamayim, the rakia, is above and beyond. So there's a, there's a I mean, I think we can, uh, it's, it's hard to quantify what a depth means in, that, in this context, but a greater depth of understanding. That's what he's describing in each and every one of these. That's the crowns, that's the kiss, that's the smell, the smell gets to the essence of something as discussed on other occasions, but that's that's certainly where the direction Zohar is going in. But for example, in his commentary to Shohan Aruch, right over there in Siman Kuflamitet, he points us to the words of the Gemara in Masechet Hagiga and Dav Gimal. The Gemara in Masechet Hagiga and Dav Gimal is Doresh Pasuk in Kohelet. It's a very well-known Gemara for reasons we'll discuss right now. Pasuk says, Divrei Hachamim, it's in source number six, Divrei Hachamim, the words of the, of, the, of the rabbis, of the wise ones, Kedarvonot ukmasmerot netu'im. The words of the scholars, of the wise ones, are like darvonot. Darvon is something that prods animals as they're uh, making furrows out in the field. A masmer is a nail that's on the bottom of that prod stick. So for some reason, the words of the, of the wise, of the rabbis, of the hachamim, are kidarvonot, they're the prods with masmerot, with that nail which kind of pokes them. Continues and concludes the pasuk, ba'ale asufot, those who gather together, Nitenu mero'e ehad, we're all given from one shepherd. It's a very difficult pasuk to understand. Before we even go onward, you already see the word nitu'im, which I skipped as I was reading it. So the pasuk describes these darvonot, these prod sticks, as masmerot nitu'im. They have connected, implanted, <coughs> built into them, these nails at the bottom. Says Ga'un Mivilna, look at that pasuk already. Look at the hachamim's interpretation of that pasuk, as we will in just a moment. That's Rashba'al Peh, 
he understands as being a reference to this pasuk in Sefer Kohelet. It's not just something that's planted in the ground, it's something that's filled in, it's that nail which is filled into this stick, and the Gemara understands it as the ability to be nita, to bring forth a growth above and beyond what it appears to be before its germination. Well, that being the case, the Gemara goes on to explain this pasuk initially in the way that we described that the ability to understand Torah as something which furthers existence, my words, the words of the Gemara, are to bring forth to bring forth the fruition of understanding and existence. Then the Gemara goes to these last words and it says, what is Ba'ale Asufot? Ba'ale Asufot is a reference to, of course, the way we generally speaking, classically, study Torah Peh. We do it in Asufot. We do it in groups together. What's with the last words? That they were all given echad from, from a single shepherd. Of course, a single shepherd could be a reference to Moshe Rabbeinu or alternatively Ta'akadosh Baruch Hu It's not fully clear. Hashem ro'ilo but also, okay, so irrespective, it means that they all emanate, we're going to understand it, from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. His conduit is Moshe Rabbeinu, that's the mechanism through which he revealed to us Torah. But what's the description of those words in the Pasuk? Why are those words the conclusion of a Pasuk which describes this life force of Torah? The Gemara, in a very famous description, uh, says here, I'll go four lines from the bottom, five lines from the bottom, where it says, Ba'ale Asufot, so it's about six lines into the source. And you'll understand in a few moments why it's necessary, in my mind, to develop this in our context. This is a reference to the scholars of Torah, those who study Torah in groups. You should know, says the Gemara. Life is no different back then than it is today. You have a heter over here, you have an isur over there, you have a humrah over here, you have a kula over there, tahor according to him and tameh according to him. How are we are able to arrive at truth of Torah? We know there are so many different opinions. There are books that abound in our religion and our understanding of Torah. Sheme yomar adam, perhaps as a result a person would say, how can I study Torah? There's so many different, conflicting, objectively opposite opinions. Talmud Lomar, you should know, that's the conclusion of the Pasuk. They were all given, both the Tahor and the Tameh, the Kasher and the Pasul and so forth, from a single shepherd. One God gave him to us. Parnas echad amaran. ma'asim baruchu. That's a reference to Moshe Rabbeinu. He gave it to us as our leader from the words, from the mouth of God. Where does that leave us? One second. You're telling me both Tahor and Tamez from HaKadosh Baruch Hu? You tell me both Pasul and Kashers from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which one is it? Make your ears like something that can sift grain in an appropriate fashion. Listen carefully to the words of Tamen, Tahor, Kashem, Pasul. What are you talking about? How can it all be emanating from a single source if it's absolute contradictions, if it's opposites of opinion? How are we to make sense of this source of the Gemara and Masechet Hagiga, a well-known source and relevant to our context because it's describing, keep in mind, the human explanations to the words of Torah. We're tapping into Emet, but there's different, what appears to be human, let's use the words of Zohar, words that describe the 
the, the, the essence of God, the kasher or the pasul. But one says one way and the other says another way. Says the Midrash, says the Gemara, but you should know they all emanate from one source. As a result, let's use the words of Zohar, they'll all make Rakia Hada. How's it all making Rakia Hada? This one's making Rakia Hada because he said Taor, and that's the essence. The other one who says Tameh, is that the essence? In what way? So in a well-known statement from Rabbi Todrus Halevi, Rabbi Todrus Halevi, if I'm not mistaken, was the nephew of Rabbi Meir Abu Lafia. That's the Yad Ramah. It's an important, I think he lived in Castile. It's a 13th century Spanish important rabbi. We don't have much of his works. We do know it was in a, in a time and period during which, yes, even in Spain, mysticism was making its way over. And as a result, there's touches of it, hints of it in his works. Anyway, he writes in his book, Osar HaKabod, which is widely cited. He says, Ahmed, you should understand the interpretation this <laughs> He says there's a description over here, he's making it very physical, an actual graphic description, a vivid imagery, but we can understand it conceptually as well. He says as the Torah was given, the Torah was given be shiv'im, there's that number again, those 70 lishonot, 70 different languages, 70 different flavors. You want to know what that means, says Rabbi Todrus HaLevi? He says that's a description in our Gemara of truths. What do you mean truths? How could it be all? Well, it's potential for an interpretation to the God, godly and to the divine, which is bountiful, which is uh, almost infinite. This number seven is this full number. It's a description of both the Tahor and the Tameh have potential to be true. How do they have potential to be true? One has to be wrong. Yet one has to be wrong when you live in a this-worldly mindset. If you live in, a, if, in an existential mindset and you understand that the blueprint of the world it was created or was revealed through Torah, it means that within this blueprint, if you can bring proof and you're truly seeking truth, you can make the claim of kasher, I can make the claim of pasul, and we both have validity to our statements. <laughs> what are you talking about? So then how am I going to practice? Am I able to eat this or am I not able to eat this? Well, certainly we're then going to practice a normative, ma- mainstream, accepted practice. But what the Gemara over here as well is touching upon is the ability to understand that a Torah which was given prophetically to a nation of people from, so to speak, the words of God, the mouth of God to them, was then handed over to them and to us to determine and to reveal each of those truths. And every single one of them, if done, the Shem Shamaim, if done with a mindset of seeking truth, will in fact reveal truth. It's the Midrash which we cited on Wednesday night as well. The Midrash in Bereshit Rabbah in Perek Chet Parashah which describes this pasuk in uh, this pasuk in uh, in Daniel. The pasuk in Daniel talks about how Hakadosh Baruch Hu was Mashlich Emet Arsa. He took truth and he threw it down Arsa to the land, 
What's the description of throwing truth to the land? Describes the Midrash, there were different groups, so to speak, of angels at the time of creation of Adam. And one group says, of course he should be created, he's going to be Gomel Chesed in a way, so to speak, that the angelic uh, beings cannot. He's going to be able to be Gomel Hasadim in a divine way that we can't, we're static, we're set in our place, we're already complete. Human beings will be able to do that. But Emet made the counterclaim, what are you talking about? He's Malesh Karim, he's filled with, we know humanity is going to have falsities and lies that abound in terms of their existence. How does HaKadosh Baruch Hu determine whether to create human beings or not as each of them are middayinim, as that debate and that discussion is going on, says the Midrash, he says, while you guys deal with this, as you have your crisis, whether to create Adam or not, I'm throwing truth down to the ground. What does that mean, that he threw truth down to the ground? Uh, what does it mean that truth is now in the land? Well, the land, of course, is Ha'aretz Natan Livnei Adam. The description of truth being thrown to the ground means HaKadosh Baruch Hu turns Kivyachol to the angels and said, who said that you guys, that we have the absolute grasp and dominance over truth? I'm going to make a truth which can and will be determined by seekers of truth in that world. It's the words of Kesota Hoshin and his Hakdama. It's the words of Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky and his Emet Yaakov, the adjusted words in this version. In Emet Yaakov Kilomar, he writes in source number nine, as Hidesh HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hidush Gadol Be'emyan HaEmet. It was at that time, Kivyachol HaKadosh Baruch Hu brings forth a novelty in truth. And again, keep in mind how this is tapping into what we've been discussing in Nefesh HaHayim. The description in Nefesh HaHayim is, those new heavens are brought forth by human beings. Do you want to know why they're brought forth by human beings? Because the emet was handed over to human beings. Because if you're seeking truth in that infinite potential of Torah, in that existential truth which is to be revealed and, and the concealed is to be opened up by human beings, well, that's the emet which only we have. Sheha emet hina yahasit v'lo the truth is relative in a, in a certain respect for human beings. It's not absolute. Those are your words, Ralph. Those are the words you want. And as a result, truth is a earthly truth. And you'll have an earthly and heavenly truth. And as a result, you'll be able to, each person, based on their inclination, based on their level, based on their perceptions, they'll find their own truth. You'll have a Bet Shaman, you'll have a Bet Hillel, and they'll both be truth. They'll be Divrei Elohim Hayim. They'll be living words of godliness, of divinity. But one says kosher, one says unkosher. How are they both true? Because Yishlichem et Arza. How is it possible that we're constructing, reconstructing, continuing the Le'a? The answer is because he gave us the tools to do so. But are we tapping into his words? We're connecting with his words. We're furthering his words. We're finding that relative truth within our own existence. Again, I bring you back to those crowns to the letters of Rabbi Akiva. The crowns of the letters of Rabbi Akiva, which appear to be just hovering above the letters, which appear to be something that's only after the fact, thrown onto the letters and given the opportunity, let's give them a plaything. Let's give human beings the ability to try to use their minds to understand something. Ultimately speaking, as, as, as Ralph pointed out, Moshe sits, as the Gemara describes in the class of Rabbi Akiva, and the students ask Rabbi Akiva, so that interpretation, where'd you come up with that? His answer is, the audacity, Moshe doesn't know what he's talking about. What are you talking about? That's not my Torah. Of course that's your Torah. 
because that's the Torah Shabal Peh, that's the Hishlich Emet Arsa of Torah. That's the ability to create Shamaim Hadashim. To put it in other terms, in terms of our own lives, it's the ability within the confines of your own life. And each one of us have a different life, and each one of us are involved in different endeavors in life. How do you find emet within that endeavor? Because I'm not in your shoes, and I'm not encountering the same things. So my emet is going to look very different than yours, but they can still both be emet, and they will both still be emet if they're seeking truth. That's the hishlich emet arsa. That's the ability to continue existence, to partner with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's an existential reality which he implanted into uh, the world that we live in, the world we live in is sustained by the continued involvement of human beings, of Am Yisrael, finding God. If you stop, if you cease that search for God, so then the world again becomes static. The world doesn't crumble. It doesn't cease to exist absolutely in an absolute sense, but it stops continuing. I mean, look at world history. World history, outside of the divine realm, has always progressed. We've always been seeking progress. The second you stop something, the second you build a regime in which creativity, the ability to expose more, is closed, at the same time, matters begin to crumble. It doesn't cease to exist. Human beings continue to be alive. But the progress, which is so much a part of who we are, of what the world is, what humanity is, uh, is, is that tool which HaKadosh Baruch Hu has, has passed over to us. That's the Hishlich Emet Arsa. The description in turn of Zohar over here of Nefesh Hayim throughout this chapter, Perek Yod Bet, is one in which those Hidushim Amitiim Hamit Hadeshim Al Yedeh Bene Adam, the Hidushet Torah, the novelties which human beings bring forth, ironically, but perhaps now a little bit more understandably so, is the ability, is the responsibility that each of us have. It's that kiss from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's the partnering with Him. It's His ability to say to us, your word has a crown upon it, much like my words do. It's the ability for us to say it's true. Existence is sustained by your words in some way or fashion. It's But you should know we want to push this forward. We want to create new heavens. We want to expose new worlds and we want to in turn understand you better, which is our way which you've passed on to us to continue existence, to further our understanding of you, to be able to create just as you have those olamot ha-hadashim, the shamayim and aretz ha-hadashim. Baruch Adonai de'olam. Amen ve'amen.